if you're looking for an alternative job in medicine, maybe in something like occupational medicine or pharmaceuticals or space medicine, or if you're even just looking to take a year out of your training program and experience medicine in another country, where do you even get started? On today's podcast, we're joined by somebody that I have personally followed and admired for many years now and has an amazing resource called Medic Footprints, which helps doctors and other healthcare professionals to think a bit outside the box in terms of your career. And I've dropped some really useful links in the show notes. One is to Medic Footprints, and I highly recommend joining that. And the other is to a conference, which is coming up really soon, which can kickstart your career. And often when you're making a big change in life, whether it be with your finances or your career, sometimes the hardest part is to get started. And this one day conference will give you everything that you need to just get started. And sometimes once you've got started, the ball is rolling, then things start to happen. So I hope that you find that useful. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. As ever, this podcast is for entertainment only and does not represent any form of financial, legal or accounting advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So on today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Abena's Bubba's Jones. Hi, Abena. Hey, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's such an honor. I'm We've a fan. Been... <laughs> That's really kind. We've been having a pretty funny off mic conversation, which we definitely yeah. should have recorded. But tell us a little bit about yourself and Medic Footprints, because I've been following what you guys and girls are doing for absolutely ages now. I love it. I think more people need to hear about it, which is why I was so happy when you decided to come on the Medic's Money podcast. Thank you so much. So it's interesting because my journey has been a long one and it's ongoing. So for those of you listening medicine was my first degree I didn't really do anything beforehand and when I graduated I started working as an F1 F2 I really wanted to do obviously gynae so it was my first rotation as an F1 woohoo and then after the four months I realized I did definitely did not want to do obstetrics gynae so for those of you who are obstetrics gynae great for you but not so much for me but it was great so but I think one of the other things that really stood out was I had a huge expectations for what being a doctor was like and the practical element of it, I felt like at the time I was a glorified medical secretary. And I think that mismatch in what I thought I was going to do and what I was expected to do and actually doing, but really got me down. So eventually, through Dops.net, someone had come back from South Africa and they were looking to do, they were basically advertising an orthopedic job in South Africa. So I thought, right, I'm going to give that a go not having done orthopedics, but it was just that experience seems really different and unusual. So long story short, I actually did my surgical training first and then went to South Africa. And it was the best by far experience of my life in the sense that I was still practicing as a doctor in semi-rural South Africa, in like near Durban, if any of you know South Africa. So in a kind of referral center, but it was relatively small. So like they had a CT scanner and they had an MRI and they had departments, but it didn't have all the bells and whistles and a lot of things just didn't work. And uh, yeah, I loved it because I learned very quickly. I came out just being able to do an appendix. 
And by the end of it, I was doing lapar- like gunshot laparotomies and lots of trauma and taking a machete out of someone's eye and really, really heavy stuff, but also being able to apply to referral centers. And then outside of work, there was also like traveling in Southern Africa it was unparalleled. And I really got to love the outdoors. And so I realized that actually the issue wasn't so much I chose the wrong degree or vocation. It was more the environment I was working. I had been working in back home as a doctor. So I continued with medicine, still love medicine, came back to the UK, ended up in Blackburn because that's where the job took me. I'm a London girl, by the way. I don't need to tell my accent. And then I realized that I started feeling the same way, quite down, depressed, in some ways burnt out from working, but not really clear why. And again, the realization was I need to do something else outside of my day-to-day medical NHS practice. And as I said, like medicine was my first degree. So I didn't really know what, like how to do something else. I think a lot of doctors face the same things because we are in this bubble of an institution, which the NHS, which is great in so many ways, but avenues outside of that aren't so obvious to us because we've never had that exposure. And we always hear about doctors that have gone off and done something, but it's always like twice or three times removed. (laughs) And it's always myth and folklore. And if you speak to any doctors like who are still working in HS, they will say, no, no, you don't want to go and work in the private sector. You know, I hear, you know, this Bob went and did it and now he's destitute on the floor. He doesn't have a job and he's unemployed. And actually a lot of those was complete myth. So I started Medic Footprints as an organization to inform and educate doctors who are looking to take that step outside of the pathway that's been written for us and design a career that works for them that they love. And that doesn't necessarily mean leaving medicine. That might mean doing something on the side, developing or growing a hobby, maybe even getting a job in industry as a medic or for your non-medical or transferable skills. It's so, so broad. And the community has grown and it started off really focusing on the UK. But in doing that, we realized that actually the problem that I've been facing and my colleagues have been facing is actually worldwide. So there's so many doctors who are feeling the same way. They're looking for other options and just needing that support and guidance into getting from A to B, wherever B is. So that's me and Medic Footprints in a nutshell. And now, actually, now I'm an occupational health physician. I'll tell you a little bit about that story. So I told you that I used to be a surgeon and I love surgery. Surgery was a very, very big part of my identity. And I got to a point, however, whereby I realized that even though I loved it, it just wasn't my future. I'm sure there's lots of complexities and psychology to that. But there was literally, I remember one moment where I got a face full of hematuria whilst I was doing a bladder washout. And the thing is, that wasn't too unusual. (laughs) It wasn't too unusual, but in that particular hematuria moment, I was like, right, that's literally a slap in the face for me. I need to move on. I need to find out what that is. Again, didn't have any answers. And basically, like everyone else, I Googled, I was heard to careers, what else is out there? And my partner at the time was a radiologist. He found occupational medicine. He was like, I want you to look at this. You're interested in business. It looks interesting. So at the time, I was like, okay, cool. I'll look into it. And I could not find one occupational medicine doctor. Like literally I was scouring forums going, does anyone know any occupational medicine doctors? And I was like, no. Eventually I did manage to find one who then helped me get some shadowing. 
And even with the shadowing, I wasn't so sure. But then I thought, okay, fine, I'll just give it a go. I'll do the diploma. I'll give it a go. And seven years later, I'm a consultant in occupational medicine. And actually, I love it. I think it's one of the best career options or specialties ever because of what we do. But also it confers so many things that doctors are looking for at the moment. They're looking for work-life balance. They don't want to work nights. They want to have autonomy in their day-to-day. They want to kind of do something a little bit outside of like NHS practice. And it ticks all of those boxes. And your income as an occupational health doctor can be pretty good, really good, actually, depending on who you're working for. But particularly in industry, I say sky's the limit because you can start your own business as an occupational health physician and grow it, which a lot of them have like quite successfully. So, yeah, the opportunities are there. Wow. Quite a lot there. That's why I wanted you on the podcast, because it's such an inspirational story. And what you are saying is going to resonate with so many people. And you're right. Like there's always someone who went to abroad and in F3, but they're always three times removed. And you're like, oh, how do I even store that out? Just easier to keep following the herd, get on the training program. You know, successful doctors don't take an F3 and F4. They go straight to CT1 and they do their surgical exams when they're in F1. I just love that. That's why, even though I was an F1 when I found out about the job in South Africa, I didn't do it until I'd done my core surgical training because I was worried I wasn't on the treadmill. I was very unrelated. Like a lot of us were really competitive with our peers. We're like, oh, well, if they're going up, then I've got to go up too. So I literally, I delayed it. And I don't regret that actually because it was good to have that PMRCS, I guess, and at least a bit of surgical experience before I went. But then I think things are different now. I mean, not many F2s are actually going off into committing to specialties that early, which I think is great, to be honest. Yeah. So I got two things written down that I want to get into because this is really interesting. So you said, like, basically, you were burnt out as an F2. The medicine wasn't the job that you thought it was. And then you went to South Africa and everything was different. And you said that the environment and not the job was the problem. So tell me more about that, because that is a very interesting thing, which I think a lot of people listening are going to really resonate with? It's really interesting because I paint this kind of glorious picture of my experience in South Africa like it was the haven, but it had different challenges, like lots of really significant challenges. But my memory of it is largely positive. So what were the main issues or differences? I say in the NHS, like you don't go into medicine to be thanked, right? But it does help, (laughs) you know, and there really wasn't much of that kind of, I didn't feel like I was appreciated. Not so much by the patients, but actually by the team and the people that you're working with. And I didn't really feel valued as a doctor. So I guess my concern was like, actually, am I making any difference here? I'm just running around the wards and pushing patients myself to CT because Porter won't take them. Do you know what I mean? It was, I think it was that. And, you know, because I've done a lot of training to get one, I had a lot of knowledge and learned a lot on the job. And don't, I'm not saying it was all bad, but I think the concern was actually, am I being used to my full potential here? And I think part of that is also being able to bring what you have beyond what you've learned in your degree. So for me, it was either going to be music or medicine. And I chose medicine because that seemed to be the most reliable option to choose. But I felt there was a lot of other things I really wanted to bring to the table. Like, you know, there's a lot of doctors who can cue say, well, I saw this issue here. I thought the efficiencies were really bad and we didn't order. And it showed that actually if you, and I think you and James are talking about like 
like printers or, or something really simple that you could change that actually changes practice and efficiency in a ward. And you would speak up and say, hey, why don't we do this? And nothing would be done. And then they would bring in like PwC or someone and they'd be like, why don't you do this? And then, you know, they pay a whole load of money to them and then they'd make those changes or consider it. So it was like, actually, you do have that, like people around you, doctors around you that actually could do this job for you for free. And we're not asking for the money. We just want things to work smoothly and we want that work environment to be the best that it can be for our patients. And so from that perspective, I think that was reflecting about, I think that was the main issue. I just didn't feel that doctors and myself was really valued to our greatest potential and there weren't enough leadership opportunities for us to really demonstrate that. Even at an early stage, I honestly think leadership is not something that you need to be spending years and years and years and years in a job to demonstrate it and actually have influence on a wider perspective. I think part of it's innate, but part, I think a lot of the doctors that join, you know, they've all got genuine leadership tendencies anyway, because they pick the best and the brightest to go into medical school. So why would you not make the most of them as early as possible? Yeah, it's all really great points. So I think as well, sometimes you have to step out of a system in order to see its pitfalls, but also the good sides. So I went on an F3 and four to New Zealand and Mm-hmm. largely changed my relationship with medicine, basically, mm-hmm. because I realized I was working in A&E, right? So I'd done A&E in this country, and it was terrible. The shifts were horrible. They were ridiculously busy. There's not enough resources. There was patients being looked after in the corridor. I went to New Zealand, and it was totally different. I got more teaching and training in my non-training job in A&E in New Zealand than I did in this country. And that is absolutely not a reflection on those people that work in the NHS. It's a reflection that the system is so busy that the first thing to go when the system is way over capacity is teaching and training because you can't be teaching and training people new skills when the corridor is full of people with life-threatening emergencies. So how can we make it easier for people to find out about these alternative paths and take an alternative path? Because as you said, there's a lot of pressure in medicine to keep going and pushing on the path when you're in F2. When I was F2 and I said, oh, I'm going to New Zealand and I'm not starting training, Everyone was like, oh, Dr. Perkins, he was such a good doctor. And now he's just <laughs> gone to the wastelands. And guess what? I'm back. And I love being a doctor, but I do not work part-time. Uh, I do not work full-time. I work part-time. And part-time, by the way, if you've got thinking, oh, 20 hours a week, nah. NHS part-time is 40 hours a week. But I am a better part-time doctor than I am full-time because I just cannot do 80, 100-hour weeks. And standing up and saying that in front of loads of people, Some people will be like, well, why are you a doctor? Why don't you work harder or something? But how can we help people? I mean, I currently work five days a month, and my income is raised, so I would be working full time at the moment. So, yeah. Right. I'm going to rephrase that question. Uh, How do I become an occupational health physician? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm super happy as a GP. I I love GP. I wouldn't ever change. Yeah. So, I'm reflecting on this actually as you're speaking. I don't think it's responsibility of the NHS at all. I don't think it's responsibility of health education in England. I think it's responsibility of us as doctors to work together as a community, as a body, to make sure that we have access to the opportunities that we need. So the way I look at it, and one of the focuses of Medic Footprint is looking at healthcare as a whole. It doesn't matter whether you're private, whether you're public, whether you're military, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's about how best, health care for patients, for people. 
because as you know now it's more about preventative health care so how do we keep well people well right so that's what i look at it as and there are so many opportunities within that so many because originally when i started medic footprints there was this whole kind of feel like well you're taking doctors away from the nhs like you know we can't be seen to be doing that as you alluded to like you go overseas it's like going to the wastelands like it's a waste of taxpayers' money. What I would say is a waste of taxpayers' money. And what we're seeing at the moment is we're seeing a lot of health, you know, this is health tech. This is the health tech years, right? We see a lot of health tech companies who are making some really, really good, useful, useful products and they're selling them to the NHS. A lot of these companies do not have any clinicians in their companies, in their leadership, inputting on their products. What does that tell you? That was the actual question. <laughs> so yeah, what yeah. Does that tell you? I mean, it seems kind of crazy. Like what you're basically saying is they're effectively opening a doctor's surgery, but they got no doctors. Yeah, exactly. Seems a bit weird to me. Exactly. Well, that's gradually happening. <laughs> but seriously, so you have to consider like, what, how does that translate to the quality of patient care that's now, but also in the future? And on the other side, we're losing so many doctors to burnout and stress. And actually, I just don't want to be in the NHS anymore. But we're not utilizing that wealth of knowledge, the skill sets, whether it's being a doctor or using the transferable skills for other really important purposes. And this is a real ethical, social, whatever mission to really make sure that health outcomes in the world are elevated by us kind of raising the visibility of these diverse career opportunities and making sure we look after our doctor colleagues. Yeah. So say I'm a doctor listening to this and I just want to get started. Well, I could be like spend hours Googling and there's some good info on Google. There's some not so good info on Google. If you were a doctor listening to this and you were thinking, I want to explore some of these alternative options, where's a good place to start? And then tell us about the conference because basically in one day, you're going to tell them everything they need to just get started. And sometimes get started is just the hardest step. And once you've got that ball rolling, you're there, you're home and dry. But getting started, it's like, oh, where do I start? Yeah, I think the start is just be honest with yourself. I always say it all starts with yourself. You need to be honest about what you want from life, not what your friends want, not what your parents may have wanted for you, what you want for you. And not everyone knows that, especially if you've been in a doctor and you've been like with your head down trying to do exams and all that stuff like you lose yourself you lose yourself in your identity as being a doctor so you come out a few years later and you're like actually i don't really know what i want and that's 100 that's really really common and normal <laughs> i mean I, i've been like that i'm still like that 100 um, <laughs> so what i would say is that if you're not sure that's absolutely normal and it literally is have conversations that's the first thing you need to do because actually you think you're the only one that's thinking this actually like most people are Everyone questions whether they're doing the right thing on a day-to-day basis. That's totally normal. It might be the right thing. It might not. And that changes over time. It changes as you grow older with your different um, responsibilities. And that's okay. The second thing I would say is avoid looking at lists. I mean, like we've all done it. And fine, look at the list. But take it with a pinch of salt. Because it'll give you ideas. It won't necessarily tell you whether that's right for you. So you're leading to this conference we're running. So we've actually run conferences for quite some time now, but not in person since the pandemic. But this particular conference isn't focusing on the careers outside of medicine, but focusing on those other career pathways that are still like listed by the General Medical Council 
but you will never actually ever come across as a doctor just because you won't be given rotations in these. It's not common to be given rotations in these. Some of the ones that you probably would have heard of include space medicine. So we actually did a webinar on this Monday. Really fascinating, actually, lots of opportunities in space medicine moving forward, guys. If you remember William Shatner being sent to space recently, that's just the first of many not so well people who will be sent to space. So who do they need? Doctors, right? So that's one thing. Check out the webinar for that. Public health. We all know about public health and it's really been kind of leveraged in the last few years of the pandemic. We've got Sir Michael Marmot speaking. I don't know if anyone remembers Sir Michael Marmot, but he's a wonderful speaker. And then we've also got occupational medicine. I spoke about that. We've got wilderness and expedition medicine. Uh, you may be aware of that. And pharmaceutical medicine. So pharma is probably one of the specialties that we get asked about the most because it's what most people are familiar with. And we hear doctors either go off and do management consultancy or pharma. But again, there's a lot of mysteries to how people do that. But there is a training pathway in pharmaceutical medicine that you can do. But most doctors will not do training. And, and most doctors go to pharma, don't do the training because you don't necessarily need it. And that's another story in itself. But that just gives you a bit of insight into just five of the 18 specialties that we're featuring, 28 of which we've got 28 speakers, consultants and trainees. We'll have a lot of information. That'll be a really fun day. All in one day. <laughs> so Michael Marmot went to UCL, which as everybody knows, ah! is the greatest university in the world. Uh, no, well, you know, that's arguably, I went to Nottingham. I went to Nottingham and Nottingham is pretty cool. And, uh, <laughs> Prof. Jonathan Van Tam, he's, he's quit the DOH to go back to where? Nottingham. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like the conference is coming up and that just sounds like loads of inspiration. So I will put the link for that below because that sounds really good. And how do we get on Medic Footprints? Because I'm on your email newsletter, which is definitely... Well, I mean, every time I get your email newsletter, it's got some opportunity and I'm just like, I get a fee and I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. So yeah, I might try and not read your email newsletter so much, but it's really worth it. I love all the information. How do we get on that? So um, get on the mailing list, go on our website, medicfootprints.org. Um, if you really just like literally have no time, go to medicfootprints.org forward slash join our mission. So we're on a mission to ensure that 1 million doctors are happy and healthy and fulfilled in their careers by 2030. But also, like for those of you like looking at those job ads, you're like, oh, that, that looks tasty, but you're not going to move. But hey, you probably know like five doctors that actually could genuinely benefit from that. So just forward it to them. Yeah, yeah. very, very simple. Because even just you reading it helps us because you're like, oh, actually, this is not good for me, but might be good for my friend over there. Definitely, like power of the community. Like doctors are amazing at helping our patients, but guess what? We can also be amazing at helping each other if we get in a, yeah. a community. Uh, we're all in on community here, Medics Money. Yeah. So I love that. So that was so useful. Thank you so much for your time. I put the links for Medic Footprints and the conference in the show notes below. And you're also very active on LinkedIn as well. I know. Yeah. Is that a good it's spot? It's interesting because I do more LinkedIn now than I ever have done. It's a great platform. It's a bit of a different focus on LinkedIn. It's more client-based, but also doctors who have been working in industry for some time. There are a lot of them there. And I would say if you are looking to change careers and you're looking to go into industry, make sure you update, not just have, but update your profile regularly on LinkedIn because that's where you'll be found by recruiters and headhunters. Yeah, I've been surprised by 
LinkedIn because I'm not big on social, but I think LinkedIn is actually, well, it's pretty friendly and coming Facebook pretty much, but like for work, but Facebook. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, hopefully yeah, about the data harvesting and other and questionable data. It's true. Okay, thank you so much for your time today, Abena. I know well, you've got you something so to get onto now. Yeah, yeah, well, I was super happy. I mean, like I said, I've been following what you guys do for so long and so pleased that we're working with you and definitely check out that. If someone can't make the conference on the day, there's going to be replays, right? So as part of your ticket, if you can't, can, can't come, you will get recordings of the day, which you can well, sorry, watch anytime, basically. So awesome. Yeah, there's no brainer, really, because I know a lot of people that can, are sometimes struggling getting study leave. So if you, if you can only make a short part of it, you'll get a recording. And Amazing. Track, so not even attending, you won't see everything on the same legs. There's so much content. So. Awesome. Okay, great. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for your time. And check out the links in the show notes. Take care. Thank you. Take care.